0: Go ahead and uh, grab a seat. Uh, little Beatles music there in the background. Uh, help. Anyone know the uh, the opening words to that song? Help. I need somebody help. And then what does he say? When I was young, someone. Come on, someone's gonna be able to quote that for. Him. But. <laughs> Thank you. Book of Beatles, chapter 7, verse 3. So help. Uh, We're going to talk about prayer that is helpful to others today. Um, But let me ask first, how do you feel about help? Think about that for a moment. How do you feel about, yeah, asking for help? What's that like? Someone can uh, crank the fans back a little bit. We can hear each other a little better. Asking for help you really need it, you're glad you have someone to ask, um, someone says, help, there's a baby attacking me, you, you might be embarrassed that you need to ask for that kind of help, right? You might not feel like less of a man. I would never do such a thing unless it was a very dangerous baby with, you know, fangs or something. Um, so, so asking for help can be difficult if we're a proud person, self-sufficient can be hard to do. Uh, How about offering help? Anything a little sketchy or unsettling about when you offer help? Do they actually want my help? Is what I'm going to offer actually helpful? Uh, Will I make the situation worse? And so, helping is a mixed bag at times. Uh, So, with prayers that are to help other people, there may be some of that sense as well. Uh, You know, if I asked it a different way. Would you want someone praying for you? And a few of you are thinking, well, of course. But wait, remember what we said last week? Prayer changes things and matters. Some of you don't want us praying for you. Let's be be honest. (laughs) Don't be be praying for that. I I like that. Uh, How about if you don't really believe in prayer, or perhaps that God's real or there, um, you might not quite want prayer directed your way, because you might have some, some sense that, oh, I'm, you know, you look down at your chest, you've got the, the red laser dots of prayer kind of focused in on you because you're the, you're the one everyone's praying for here. I know there's a few of you here that are feeling that right now, right? You know why? Because there actually are people praying for you literally right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that later. So... That can feel a little unsettling. Um, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, someone praying for you, hmm, it's an interesting question. Now, what I've found, though, is when it's done <laughs> with the right motivation, that's clear, that it comes out of a place of concern, care for this person, uh, and not, how can I change you right now into what I would like you to be, that people are a lot more receptive to those kind of prayers. And then also, as we talk about intercessory prayer, often they don't know you're praying for them anyways, so you sort of have a loophole there. Um, but I want to be clear up front that as we talk about this area of intercessory prayer, uh, you know, the title here is um, For the Sake of Others. As we pray in that way, I just want to be clear up front what our motivations are. If anyone's here feeling like, oh, they look down and they kind of see the, you know, the red laser dots, right? No. That's not, we're not trying to bag and tag and, uh, you know, have a trophy. Um, and so any prayer for another person, best be motivated by, by their best interest. What's best for them? And that should always line up with what God would want for them as well. And so I just want to put that up front. But, so as we talk about this, this is actually a pretty simple one this week in many ways. Uh, last week was a little, little headier Big ideas, the week before where Scott talked about unanswered prayer, that was some challenging stuff. But praying for others, somewhat easy concept. So the simple definition of intercessory prayer is prayer to God on behalf of another person. Prayer to God on behalf of another person. That's what we're talking about. So, so what makes that different than what we've talked about the last uh, three weeks or so? Remember the first week, those who were here, if you didn't catch that, you can... Go grab them online or the podcast. But we just talked about our daily bread type of prayers and said the most simple prayers are those where we recognize a need in our lives and we personally bring it to God. That's a very appropriate way to pray. And then the following week, we dealt with the fact that those prayers don't always seem to get answered the way we wish for them. And so Scott talked about unanswered prayer. But then the type of prayer that we focused on as part of that time was that you can be angry with God. You can, you can unleash on God in prayer. You can follow the example of the Psalms. And that's an appropriate way to pray. And then last week talked about how prayer really changes things. That prayer matters and the type of prayer we focused on very powerfully in both worship gatherings. A couple dozen people or more uh, came to receive prayer for healing. to Kind of spent some time over here praying for healing. Uh, so prayers for healing. But this week, intercessory prayer, it's different Because the person that's the object of prayer isn't the one praying. They're being prayed for. And so it's a different dynamic there where we, if we're in that place of praying, intercede. Come in between what this person needs in their life and what we think or hope God would have for them. So, should be motivated by that compassion, care. Uh, There should be a real hope and real intent that God would do something. And often, there's somewhat unique, it's kind of a corollary of intercessory prayer. It's often done without their knowledge, which to me makes it more important for it not to be a kind of a manipulative, um, twisted type of thing, that if they find out later, they would not be too upset that you were praying for them. Uh, Again, that strikes some of you as odd, But I'm telling you, there's some folks here that are a little uncomfortable that you're praying for them the way you may or may not be. Um, But it's often helpful, even as simple as that definition is, to see some examples. And so, sort of a case study here in the book of Colossians. uh, Chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 9. If you want to use those red Bibles to follow along, it's on page 956. Colossians chapter 1 is a great example of, Of intercessory prayer and what goes into that. Uh, So let's take a look at that. And the context here is the Apostle Paul has gotten a report um, from, I think it's Epiphras, is the guy's name. His name means lovely. Uh, So this lovely report from a very lovely man, uh, Epiphras, saying there's there's some spiritual confusion and need in this community, Colossae, amongst the believers there who are following Jesus and I think by association, those who are seeking and searching and trying to figure out who Jesus is and, and maybe are friends of that community and, and involved in that. And so Paul sees that there's this need there. He hears about this need. And so, of course, he's moved to pray for them. And so we pick it up in verse 9 of Colossians chapter 1. and just the very beginning of verse 9, hear this. Paul says, having heard this report of the need, the spiritual confusion, the, the issues going on, he says, "For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you." Let's go ahead and say that bold part there. Uh, go ahead and say it with me: the bold part. We have not ceased praying for you. So a few of you just got nervous because you're wondering, what's the application going to be? Twenty-four-seven prayer. So, what does Paul mean there? You, you're familiar with the other verse, some of you, pray without ceasing. You hear that and you go, How do I do that? You know, is it just, I never stop praying? Well, we get what that language means, right? Now, what Paul is saying there is, is once we knew of this, we didn't forget about you. So, when we did come to God in prayer, we brought you before Him. And yes, other things in life took place in between, uh, but this wasn't a, a one shot deal, it wasn't one and done. You know, and then we moved on. Intercessory prayer is never one and done. And so, we have not ceased praying for you. It's a—it's a not forgetting. It's habitual. That's what's meant. And so, we begin to see what this prayer looks like. What some of the content is. Maybe the purpose of, the, of this type of prayer. Intercessory prayer. And so, it continues on there. The rest of verse 9 through 10. Paul says, in asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may live lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. So do you already notice that this type of intercessory prayer goes a bit deeper than Than the more obvious surface needs, as important as those are, that Paul's not simply praying for um, for, that job interview to go better or the bills to be paid, though those are important, but he's going deeper. There's a sense that intercessory prayer is more about the transformation of the person than merely kind of answering some individual needs. And you'll see how those really go well together here in a moment. So he continues on, verse 11 and 12, and says, May you be made strong with all strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. So this great example of intercessory prayer, and I think a a pretty good pattern that we could borrow as well. And we did that with the first week, the Lord's Prayer, is this wonderful pattern of how to pray for those, those daily needs being met. Well, here's a great pattern for praying for the sake of others on their behalf. And I think there's, there's some goals to intercessory prayer. And at least how Paul lays it out here, there's, there's three goals. Maybe there's five, maybe there's two. I made it three. Uh. Because I like the number three. But I think there's three that fit here real well, and you feel free to add some more as you discern what God's doing in this passage here. But three goals of intercessory prayer. You pick up the first one there in verse nine. What's some of the language being used? Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Get it again in verse 10, knowledge. And So what Paul is praying for them as he's interceding, coming between them and what they need from God, and trying to bring this together, he's praying for spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. Which somewhat begs the question, why would you pray that for someone else? As you look at a friend's life, or you look at your own life, and would just soon someone interceded for you, and you have a very specific need. Let's say that need is uh, is paying the bills. And so we pray... That you would have the money to pay the bills. And say that prayer gets answered. Okay. Or marriage. 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 You know, it's off to a, you know, it's in a rocky spot. And, and it's in danger of disintegrating. Maybe the communication's not there. Uh, maybe one of the parties has broken the vows in a very profoundly, um, very profound way. And so we may pray, God, bring that couple back together. Reconcile them. Make them one again. And that would be great for that to be answered. But even as you look at those obvious needs in your life, is the thing the thing? (laughs) Is that it, though? Or is that often the symptom of the thing, whatever the thing is? So that, if that person who has the financial chaos in their life, you know, is just, they win the lottery, has their prayer really been answered in any long-term sense, if they're still incredibly foolish with their resources? if they disobey God with them, if, they, if they're just stupid with their money, then no. If there's not spiritual wisdom, how about that couple that just, oh, we're going to give it another shot. Um, you know, forgive and forget, move on. But the husband doesn't really get any wisdom about how he loves his wife as Christ loved the church. All right, so I don't come first. I lay down my life. Where there's not that... Respect, yeah, you know, which is often what the guys need. Um, and the and the wife is not very wise in how she relates to her husband. Spiritual wisdom. And when we intercede for others, we don't just, we want to bring the whole deal that needs to happen. And so whatever the individual things are, we want to just lay over that spiritual wisdom. From God's word, the Holy Spirit at work. Counsel from others. So that's one of the goals. Second one you see in verse 10. I'll call it a lived out obedience. A lived out obedience. Some of the language there used in verse 10. Lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Bear fruit, good work, grow. It's a lived out thing. So again, very similar to that spiritual wisdom one. If the prayer is answered... But then what was going on to cause that doesn't become a new habit, a lifestyle, a lived-out act of obedience. You've only really addressed, again, the symptom, the one of. And again, intercessory prayer, its goal is transform lives. That's why, we bring, that's why we come before God, for someone who may not know they need prayer, may not believe in prayer, may not know how to pray for themselves. We want to see them transformed, not just be able to balance their checkbook, um, stay together with their spouse, not yell at their kids. We want those things also. Do you know what ha- helps those things happen? Yeah, a transformed life. <laughs> and it's easy to focus on the head knowledge part and forget things should be lived out. But if we stopped right there, with spiritual wisdom and lived out obedience, uh, you know us, we'd twist that around, right? Instead of it being, look what God did, it would be, look what I did. Look how smart I am now. I've got this figured out. I've kicked this sin, this habit. I've got the willpower. And so we could actually twist answers to prayer to instead of point us towards God, to just be very impressed with ourselves. <laughs> and take spiritual wisdom as a gift from God and turn it into our own sort of intellectual um, achievements. To take the grace and ability and the strength and power to, to live a life of obedience and make that a thing about, you know, self-improvement. And just a, you know, pat on the back. Um, and I don't need it from anyone else. I can just. I just give it to myself, right? Uh. And so that's why this third one comes in, I think, to make it very clear. You see this especially in verse 11 and 12. Enduring faith. So again, what are we talking about here? The goal for when we pray on behalf of others, we want for them not merely individual answers, but spiritual wisdom, lived out obedience, an enduring faith. Enduring faith. So that faith word, that has a lot of different meanings in our culture and context. And so let's be clear what we're not talking about. We're not talking about faith as, as a belief type thing. Like, I know this and believe it. That's really more the spiritual wisdom part, right? So that's not what we mean by faith. We also don't mean faith as in faithfulness. That's more the lived out obedience part. And of course, both of those are absolutely crucial to faith. But faith at its simplest is trusting God. And the other things flow from that trust. And faith helps turn us away from, man, look what I just figured out look what I can do, you know, as I go through life with answering my own prayers. Um, Faith turns us back to God. You know, Paul says, may you be made strong. Again, it feels good to be strong with all the strength that comes from, oh, (laughs) his glorious power. That's a good thing to be reminded of. When I feel like I'm strong... I stand in front of the mirror there in the morning. Some of you guys do that. All of you guys do that. I occasionally do that. And say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I beat yesterday, I'm going to beat today. Oh, you're just asking for it, aren't you? What a stupid thing to say. Uh, where Paul is very clear, it's in our weakness that Christ has made strong. and That's when his glory shows forth, when we actually aren't great at what we're attempting. It's a place we've failed before. Um, His glorious power, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you, made us able to do that. And that enduring part, that's pretty straightforward. It's a faith that's not just over and done with. So, those are the goals. What then do we do with that? So this is one of those messages that are topics that understandably is geared mostly towards those who are already Christians. So let's recognize that. And my sense is that that's a majority of us here. I'm just going to take a gamble there and say most of us in this room claim at least, to be followers of Jesus. And I think rightly so. I think that's as best I can humanly discern that, uh, which is limited. I think that's true. I hope that's not everybody. That'd actually make me kind of sad if this was a collection of the already convinced here. Um, But let's start there anyways. Let's start with those who are followers of Jesus. Why would we do intercessory prayer. Because really all I've done is given a good definition. It's prayer to God on behalf of others. We've seen a great example from Paul. But what would actually motivate us to do that? The ones who ostensibly should be praying. I think verse 13 and 14 hit home. Here's why we should be compelled to pray for others. It says, He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If that's what we have, then we should feel an incredible burden for those who don't not to manipulate or change them into many versions of us, God forbid, we create more of us. We want to see more Christ-like people, not more Jason-like people, or Kathy-like people, or Brynn-like people. I wouldn't mind seeing another Brynn or two, but she's my daughter. Um, Yeah, we want more Christ-like people. And so that should really motivate us. And if, it, if we look at our lives, here's a way of taking our, our pulse spiritually. If it's sort of thready on this area of praying for others, if you're a follower of Jesus and you really can't remember the last time you really prayed for someone else, and I don't, again, not the kind of throwaway prayers. I only say they're throwaway because you never did the, the, the rest of it, then maybe you don't take this very seriously, what's taking place in your life. Maybe you've kind of forgotten your first love. Maybe that's so far in the rearview mirror, and for some reason, isn't being enjoyed right now, that there's not a whole lot of push to then pray for others. Here's another more, um, more troubling idea. Troubling for those who, who think they're followers of Jesus. Uh, if you're pretty sure you're not, don't be troubled just yet. I'll trouble you in a moment. Um, but if you think you're a follower of Jesus and this stuff just plain doesn't happen, here's a possibility you're not a follower of Jesus. now Now I'm meddling, right? But I would hate for you to convince yourself of something that is not true. And so, maybe you haven't been rescued. Maybe you haven't been transferred from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Christ. And you've had it figured out, and you've sort of been being a good person, but the enduring faith part, it's not there. So be honest about that. That may be something to pray about. But this should give us a burden. In my mind, intercessory prayer then becomes the baseline. It's really the minimum. Not in a minimal sense, like it's unimportant, but it is truly the starting line for other things. Here's one that'll get you a little uncomfortable. Evangelism. not going to talk about a whole lot right now sharing your faith with another person to help them take one step closer to Jesus. That's the definition that I work with. You're not going to do that. It's not going to be effective. You're not going to care to if you're not already praying for that person. And if you're not praying for that person, then your efforts, my strong suspicion, is they will fall flat. Or how about, you know, this is sort of the, a sexy Christian topic nowadays. You know, justice, mercy, mercy, compassion. Biblical. You better be doing them. If you're not praying for those folks, it becomes another kind of feel-good project. And you know what happens when you kind of get tired of doing the feel-good project? You stop doing it. And so without a baseline of intercessory prayer... For those who don't know Jesus, those who have profound needs, for things of injustice, places that need compassion. If intercessory prayer is not there, there's a real strong chance that will just be a passing fancy. Kind of a, a fleeting hobby that we'll occasionally do. But I want to give you a simple start. Now, that was kind of heavy. So here's, let's, here's a simple way to start that everyone can do. And it's simply this. Write down a name. So, for those who are followers of Jesus, here's what I want you to do right now, and then keep doing this, and you can kind of listen in because I'm going to talk to another group here for a moment. But think about a person, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor who needs Jesus, not because you want them to be like you, or you know, you wish they'd pick up after their dog, or you know, wouldn't, you wouldn't hear them yelling through the window across the yard, because you actually think they need Jesus. Not they need to be nice people or your political party or any of that stupidity. Um, And write their name down to pray for them. If you can think of two or three, even better. But I'd keep it limited. And that's a good place to start with intercessory prayer. Those who are followers of Jesus here, as you're trying to do that, if you're coming up blank, I'm going to be mean again. You should spend this time repenting and telling God you're sorry that you live a life so separate from those who need him that you can't even think of one name. And he will answer your prayer to bring those folks into your life. But start with the confession piece and then move to the, now God, help me be a friend with someone at work, a neighbor that family member who I, you know, maybe I should know what's going on in their life. So that's what I want you guys to do for a few moments. You can listen in as I uh, talk to some other folks here. All right? Is that simple enough? Do you want me to put it back on the screen there? Go ahead and put that back in case we forgot what I'm talking about here. So a simple start, write down a name of someone who needs Jesus that you'll pray for. I, that was somewhat assumed there, but don't just start, you know, uh, Bob. Gerald, uh, Yvonne. Um, Don't just write random names. Names of people you know, okay? So, but there's another group of folks here. Hopefully, every time we gather, I hope this group of folks is here. And that's those who ask this question. (laughs) What if I'm not a Christian? And all this intercessory prayer stuff going on. You could kind of relate maybe to the other types of prayers, but this one, um, yeah, it's not quite going to be in your wheelhouse, is it? So what about that? Well, first I want to say how treasured and prayed for you already are here. Let me just say that. And this is why I started with asking about what it's like to ask for help, have people come and try to be helpful, and how there's some weirdness that can be part of that. I want you to know that you are really valued here if you're not a follower of Jesus, And that you're prayed for. There's actually people, more than a half dozen, that this week set aside time to fast, you know, to do without something, to hunger more for God, and prayed for you. Uh, I did that as well. There's people right now, you are you may not have known this, you're soaking in intercessory prayer. Because there's people who committed to during this worship gathering, pray. And let me be clear. We want you to have healthy finances and good relationships and, you know, and be free of disease and all those things we want for you. But we really want your life transformed. And we do that not seem to be another cookie-cutter Christian. The name like artisan, we best not be <laughs> mass-producing here. Um, but yeah, we pray that you'd come to know Jesus. And I hope you receive that in the way in which it's offered. But know you're being prayed for, whether you believe in prayer or not. And let me share this with you. It's this great intercessory prayer for those who don't know Jesus, and I mean know as as the one who leads your life, forgives your sin gives meaning and purpose that outlast this lifetime. That's what we mean by Savior. It's in Romans chapter 10. It's just a nice swath of scripture. Um, and in fact, um, they're both both these scripture pastors, they're in the bulletin. That's a great place to write those names, by the way, um, those who are still working on that uh, thing. But here's Romans 10. And it begins as an intercessory prayer. And the reason I want to be very clear you can leave that off for a bit. You can go back to the other thing. Uh, Janine. Uh, the reason I wanted to be clear about our motives is because this may sound mean at times. And we're a very nice group of people here. Sometimes to a fault, I suppose. But if your friends can't offend you, who can, right? So you may be a little offended here. I apologize for the offense, but not for the offending. But here's what Paul says. These are words for for all of us, but especially for those far far from God. He says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. That's our prayer for you guys. I can testify that they have a zeal for God. We might say that a different way. We might say, I can testify that these are are good people who want to do good. That's true. Here's where it gets a little offensive. But it is not enlightened. For being ignorant, not stupid, not, uh, not just a moron, just unaware... For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, let's be honest. Apart from Jesus, we're pretty sure we got it figured out and we're doing it right in our own eyes. So, it's more a statement of truth than something offensive. But it says, seeking to establish their own righteousness, they've not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law. You know, all those rules and regulations, even the self-imposed ones that kind of make us look better than the folks who don't quite follow the same rules that we do. (laughs) For Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes, not just the rule keepers. It says, Moses writes, concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things, well, they'll live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? You know, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? Quoting scripture, it says, the word is near you. On your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. And so our prayer is that as God's spirit draws you, it's on the tip of your tongue. It's stirring in your heart. Here's why. Here's why. You can bring this up and leave it there. Verse 9 says, Because if our prayers are answered, it's because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is Justified. One confesses with the mouth and so is saved. And the scripture says no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, or we might say it between the religious and the irreligious, between the faithful and unfaithful, between those who have all the answers and those who think they'll never get the answer right. No distinction. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? That's why we pray. For those who don't believe. And how are they to believe in one in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim it? And so I hope you don't feel too uncomfortable. Actually, that is a lie. I I hope you don't feel the wrong kind of discomfort. I don't care if you toss and turn for days. Um, If, I'm just being honest, I I really don't. um, I love you too much for you to get a good night's sleep on this one. Uh, But you realize that's how we pray for those who don't know Jesus. And that includes... Those here in this room. And so, I would not leave you in the dark on that one. Uh, You have heard it. We've proclaimed it. Uh, You've been prayed for because you're treasured and valued here and loved. And be clear. You can accept it or reject it. Because God gives you free will. But if you do receive it, I think that's when you really begin Begin living a life free in Christ. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's pray. So God, we do come before you in prayer and thank you for those who this week have been also praying, have been interceding for us here for this message. God, thank you. that others have lifted up this this time in the word and have prayed for me. Thank you that there's been people praying that those who are followers of Jesus would have a deep sense of conviction and burden to pray for those who don't know you and that you'd bring to mind and help them pray without ceasing for those in their lives. And God, I thank you for those intercessors who've prayed for those who don't know you who are friends of this family of faith, but not yet family members. And we especially thank you for them, that they can be part of what you're doing here. So move, because if you do not move, nothing happens. It is a supernatural work. It is not something we can figure out or work harder at. It is faith. And that in itself is a gift from you. So my prayer is that you would give faith to those who don't yet have it. And that you would begin that life with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we spend the rest of our time in worship responding to God's word, uh, you have a few options. Uh, One, you can not respond. I suppose that's always an option. Um, But there's a table of communion here where you might choose to tear a piece of bread, that sacrament of Christ's broken body, which is what lies behind all we preach and talk about here, and dip it in the wine and the juice. That's the sacrament of his shed blood that paves the way uh, for our sin and rebellion that cleanses us. And we take and eat as a spiritual act of faith for nourishing and to make us whole. That may be one thing you do. God may have stirred your heart in some way. Uh, I have no idea. I'm going to hang out back there. And if you want to come talk and pray with me because you realized you thought you were a Christian and you're not, glad to pray with you. If you already knew you weren't, and you're thinking, yeah, I need Jesus. It's as simple as that. I'd love to pray and talk with you. And so, Ben and Greg, you guys can come on up, and they'll start playing here in a bit. But here's the meditation that I want to send us to that time with. Whether you're going to the Tale of Communion or you need prayer, it's the remainder of that section of Colossians. Verses 15 through 22. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you who are once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless, and irreproachable before him. That's my prayer for all of you. Respond as God leads you. I'll be hanging out back there.